Okay, welcome, welcome, one and all listeners, to the Long Overdue Podcast, Do We Like Murder? Is that okay if I say it like that? Yeah. That's okay, right? That's usually the way you say it. Do I'm it? like, woo, we're, nice, we're back. Nice and creepy. <laughs> yes, we're, we're back. Do We Like Murder, a segment of the Long Overdue Podcast. This is where we should get a like, voice sample of John Wick. I think I'm back. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking I'm back. I'm thinking I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, um, yeah, Dawn and Denise are here, and they're going to talk about popular murders. <laughs> Is that an oxymoron? <laughs> <laughs> That's the phraseology that I've been hearing. So I'm just, I'm just saying it, saying. Well, just you know, repeating what I heard. Yeah, po- popular murders, you know, those... Uh, well, mine is an attempted murder. Attempt popular attempted murders. <laughs> Mine's kind of just like a review and then new and craziness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, mur- murder's not, it's not popular to... It's it's not, but what we mean by Isn't that... Isn't it though? We have a podcast where we talk about I mean, it <laughs> is, but, but what we mean by popular is well... Well, uh... Liked? N- no. Well? <laughs> nope, nope, that's still that's not... not, not right. That <laughs> uh, they are... They are... Uh, gosh dang it, I just had the... They're visible. They're very very visible in the oh. media, news, and reporting. And they're covered. People know about them. Yeah. Yes. 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 So they're, they're not popular in the in and of themselves but the the knowledge of them is popularly known there you go that, that that's, sounds that sounds a lot better <laughs> <laughs> so before we get started i wanted to tell both of you a little a little story that i don't know if you'd already heard it um so our intro and outro music mm-hmm. is by a band called guerra de cerdos okay. they're from argentina we actually received a message from them. Really? Yes. Um, Nicolas Sabacain uh, sent us a message. Basically, you know, was really jazzed about us, you know, using their music. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to let us know that, so their bass player and him have both published poetry books. Really? Mm-hmm. And they sent us a link. I think Nicolas sent us a link to one of his that's available online. So I'll be putting that in the show notes for people. They are all in Spanish because they're Argentinian. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But still, it's cool exactly. that they contacted us and were really excited. And they were like, the internet's a crazy place, right? It was like, we're from Argentina. And <laughs> It is very neat. Mm-hmm. So is it the opening for the Dewey? Or yes. it for the long overdue? It's for Dewey. Okay. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Our cool metal music mm-hmm. that plays right before and that plays at the end uh-huh. is by a band called Guerra de Cerdos, which I'll see if I can find their website or where you can find their music. And That's super cool. Put those links in the show notes. Yep, that's pretty Take rad. So shout out to them in Argentina. That's right. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Okay. So anyway, no books read today or before today. <laughs> well... <laughs> I mean, for there, our discussion I mean, today, there were there were no books, <laughs> books read for this discussion. Rather, they did research. No books were hurt in the. <laughs> no books uh, were read. I, I felt very judged. 
<laughs> no books for rent. No, we don't do that here. No, we don't no. do that here. Uh, and you said, Denise, you read about an attempted murder. Mm-hmm. And Dawn read about lots of murders. Right, yeah. so it balances out. So, yeah, it's yeah. okay. You'll have plenty. <laughs> plenty. <laughs> yeah, and if we don't get to all of the ones that I want to talk about, then mm-hmm. we'll just have to talk about them next time. Because <laughs> yeah. it's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Now it's cool. Okay, so that's really not the... <laughs> there we go back to those words oh, choices again. Sorry. Uh, it's okay. We've been doing this for... I think our listeners know what we mean They by know. Now. They know what we <laughs> I mean. I hope so, yeah. I mean, like again, that's the first time we've ever said something if, like if that. If they're listening to a murder podcast, I would think that they would think that this is cool in some form or fashion. In some way. <laughs> <laughs> or they would not be listening to this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> So who's who would like to start? Well, I can get us started with yeah. some of the stuff I have. Um, I read a couple different articles. All of them pretty much, I think, are from um, AETV.com. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Adam Jonas, Jan- Janos, is the um, author of these articles. And so my first one is the 10 biggest crime stories of the 2010s. Oh, okay. 2010s. And some of these we've definitely talked about. Casey Anthony. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had a big, big uh, podcast about that one. Um, But some of these are new. So Sandy Hook was uh, in there, and so was the Boston Marathon bombing. Mm -hmm. So those were just big mass yeah murder things and and i don't i don't know for some reason that's not just something that really catches my attention for mm-hmm. for discussing on this right. podcast i don't yeah. know why but i think because we can't really devote a lot of time to the individuals yeah know, and like the individual victims mm-hmm. and we'll just be talking about this bomber a lot and yeah. it seems kind of wrong yeah yeah yeah, like it's just it, adding to the glorification. And, yes, you know, and which so I, I don't care for that at right, all. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, so anyway, I'm not going to dwell on those. So, in 2013, it says the arrest, imprisonment, and suicide of Aaron Hernandez. Oh yeah. Do you know who he was? Mm-hmm. Football player for the New York, sorry, New England Patriots. <laughs> he was 22, and then. Um, he murdered a friend of his, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Odin Lloyd. Mm-hmm. And it was found in an industrial park near his house. Mm. Yeah. So it, he had all this money, and now he's in jail because he was so stupid. Well, and that wasn't his only murder. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then he killed himself. Yes. That wasn't his only that murder. Wasn't <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't it. Either. That wasn't it either. That wasn't it either. Okay. <laughs> no, he... Um, they couldn't figure out why he killed his friend. Mm-hmm. Like, they there was never really a motive. Like, it was not like his friend did something to him or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the best that they can figure out is that there was some slight that happened. And Odin probably didn't even realize that he had offended Aaron. Oh, yeah. And he got shot several times in the mm-hmm. back. Um, the other murders. So, he... Uh, went to trial for Odom, and I believe he got convicted on that one. And then while 
either while he was on trial for that or was already serving time, they indicted him for two other murders. And he was at a nightclub with some friends. Mm -hmm. And the best that they can figure out was that these two guys were in the same nightclub, bumped into him, he spilled this drink on him, and that was it. Jeez. He started, like, they started a verbal argument. Uh-huh. Um, the guy that had bumped into him apologized. Uh-huh. Like he didn't see him or anything like that. And um, they went on with their evening. And then the two guys left, mm-hmm. got into their car. Aaron Hernandez and his friend went right behind them, got into their vehicle. Actually, I think they drove around a little bit, seeing if they could find the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Aaron Hernandez was driving around. And then um, the two guys were parked at a red light, you mm-hmm. know, waiting for it to turn green. And he just rolls up next to him and shoots him in the car. Oh, my goodness. Off. That one actually was um, Jose Baez who defended Casey Anthony. Really? Yep. He defended Aaron Hernandez in that second trial. Really? Not the first one. That's very interesting. See, I love talking with Denise. She always adds to the story. (laughs) (laughs) She knows so much more than I do. But yeah, they could not figure out really like why he, why he did it. Like, would you go shoot two people because one of them bumped into you in a dark nightclub? Right. Exactly. Where it's so packed that that's Mm -hmm. just going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. He was a football player. I, I don't know. Could have been a whole brain damage. You know, and that's something that seems to come up a lot in mm-hmm. the things that I read about is that um, these murderers have had some kind of head trauma early on in mm-hmm. their life, and it just changes them. Yeah. And parents and friends and everybody recognize that mm-hmm. this has happened to them, that they're just a changed person. Mm-hmm. So and it just happens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the whole Odom thing. He was friends with him. Um, Aaron Hernandez was engaged to, and I don't remember her name, but her sister was dating Odom. Yes. And so at some point, Aaron calls her and tells her that there's a box in the basement that he, like, that she needs to just get rid of. And her sister's right there. And so she goes down into the basement, puts it in a garbage bag and disposes of it. She doesn't know what's in it? She doesn't look. She claims she doesn't look. Ah. I would have looked. <laughs> I would have been like, what's in this box? Why are you calling me from some weird place and telling me I need to take your trash out? Uh-huh. That you have hidden in the basement. Yeah. What's in the box? <sighs> okay. So another football player, which I will not do anything more than say his name. Okay. Because he irritates me. O.J. Simpson. Oh, <laughs> if you don't know the O.J. Simpson case at this point, like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Well, and this is the second one that he actually got convicted for. So, anyway, the Golden State Killer, mm-hmm. which I was reading about this, and I thought that it was very fascinating. I know that you talked about the book. It was our first episode. Really? It was? Yeah. That's right, because it had just happened. Yeah, we had <clears throat> just gotten caught. So I was looking through some of the information, and her, uh, Michelle's husband, who's the, Michelle was the one who had done all the research for years and years. And, for the, yeah, for her book. Yes. I didn't realize who her husband was until oh. I saw his picture. Powerful. And then, yeah. yeah, and I'm like, I know him. He he was on, you know, a car show mm-hmm. that we would watch, um, 
and all that. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that just, I don't know, it just makes it more personal, mm-hmm. the fact that he's the one who found her and yeah. and all that. So, um, and he did talk a little bit about, um, I guess, depression and, and prescription mm-hmm. uh, medications and those kinds of things. So I thought that that was really uh, interesting. Um, now, this next one, Samuel Little. No, uh-huh. isn't he the one that w- that had? Um, he was here mm-hmm. in in Wise County, Decatur, mm-hmm. um, in jail for a while. Yes, he was housed here. Yes, and that was when they were trying to take him. Okay, so first of all, he killed a bunch of people. Right. Yes. Currently, he is considered the most prolific serial killer in the United States because he's claimed to have killed like ninety nine people or something like that, and they've been able to verify like seventy something of them. So, yes. So he was in prison and they'd only convicted him for like two mm-hmm. crimes. And then he started years later, I think, talking about all the other ones that mm-hmm. he had done. And that's why he was here because he was taking the police or whoever around, they, right? They were housing him here, um, keeping him here for a little bit um, before they could move him to some other some other jail. So he was basically just kind of like a layover. Oh, got it. <laughs> and so he was housed here, but um, some of our... Uh, Wise County Sheriffs and I believe a couple of Texas Rangers came and talked to him about some cases here in Wise County, mm-hmm. but they were not his. Not his. Yeah, and it does say that he was one of the most prolific um, known serial killer in American history. Mm-hmm. So now this next guy I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm probably not going to say his name right, but he was considered the angel of death. This was in 2019. Um, Niels... Google from Germany. So this actually reminded me of the book I had read, The Good Nurse. Mm-hmm. And I talked about that, I think. Um, and that was about Char- Charles Cullen, who had murdered 40 of his patients that mm-hmm. they were able to um, attribute to him. So this Niels guy was... Lethally injecting people. And they say that his um, he was convicted of murdering 85 patients. And they think that it was probably closer to 300. Mm. Um, and that's just so... I mean, it was... He was attacking, like, older people. But they're the ones who are like in the most vulnerable state. I mean, mm-hmm. anybody in the hospital is in a vulnerable state right. to be, I mean, you put your life in their hands and mm-hmm. it's scary to think that somebody could be doing that on purpose. Mm-hmm. It's one thing that if it's an accident, which is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. still not good. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. And the last one, at least on this page here, the arrest and suicide of Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> okay. That's all I'm saying about him, too. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to get into Jeffrey Epstein unless we're actually going to get into Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, not going there. 
So then we talk, um, we'd already talked about Chris Watts. He was the guy who murdered his wife and kids right. in we Colorado. About it. I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast. Because I read a book oh, about really? that. Yeah, I read The Perfect oh. Father, which just came out. Yeah. So you and I talked about Chris Watts a little bit. Okay, well, I'm not going to say a whole lot about that because that may be a future episode. Yeah, though. we could always talk about him later. Yeah, because um, there's a lot of information in here mm-hmm. about that. Um. Okay, so then my my stuff kind of takes a turn. Yeah. And it was more about um, abusive parents. Oh, okay. And so there were several different cases. Um, this article was on January 2018, and it was about the Turpin family. And why do some parents torture their children? Yeah. I don't think it ever really said why. They do. Yeah. They're crazy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they lived in Texas for a bit, though, didn't they? And then they moved. They may have. This was very short, and so it did not mention Texas in this part. They were actually uh, in California, mm-hmm. and were um, yeah, because I I thought they lived here for a bit, uh-huh. like in Texas, not here, <laughs> right in Wise County. Yeah, yeah, and then moved to California. That could be. Um, but the kids were seen outside, you know, doing yard work and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then um, shortly after that, in, um, yeah, January 14th, it says, um, one of the girls, 17 years old, was able to get away, and she called 911. And um, she had escaped, and her parents, David Turpin was 57, and Louise Turpin was 49. And they found 12 siblings, mm-hmm. ages 2 to 29, mm-hmm. living in squalor. That was a quote. Mm-hmm. Um, some chained and padlocked to their beds and other furniture. And they were so malnourished that they did not even realize that 13 of them were adults. I just don't know how people can do that. Yeah, I don't either. It's this this was beautiful. Listen to this. So they were they were uh, arrested on thirty eight charges, uh, including torture, child abuse, neglect, and all that. And bail was set at twelve million dollars each. <laughs> don't you love it? <laughs> Good luck getting ten percent of that. <laughs> right. Uh, but it says here that they were generally, genuinely confused about why mm-hmm. they were being arrested. Yeah. They get in their own world and think that everybody else is odd. Yeah. It's not them. But they were homeschooling. Yes. And so there was nobody else to witness or see. And they moved, if I'm recalling correctly, they moved to california because her family was like wanting to see the kids or wanting to find out more about the kids like they were getting a little suspicious Uh so they packed up moved somewhere else where they couldn't just show up Uh uh-huh didn't tell them i don't i believe they didn't tell them where they where they went Mm -hmm. so as far as her family was concerned they were just gone and so so like nobody like no teachers, nothing. Like there was yeah, just... nobody can mm-hmm. notice anything at that right. point. Okay, so there's two, a couple more of these. 
uh, the Richters in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, Fernando Richter, 34, and Sophia Richter, 32, um, held their three daughters captive for two years before um, police discovered them. And they would let their children eat one meal a day, and it was either straw, a noodle stew or fruit. And they had not showered for at least four months. Ooh. I know, right? Yeah. And they had limited access to the bathroom. So they would go in jars and put it, hide it in their closet. Oh. Right? <sighs> that just is so sad. So they also had video cameras and security so that if any doors were opened, the parents would know. Oh. Right? I hope that compiled a bunch of evidence. <laughs> Right, because that's what you want to be secure against uh-huh. is your children getting out, not yeah. somebody getting in. Well, what if they ha- what if they go to the bathroom without authorization, Don? Oh my goodness, that would just oh my goodness. I, I know, like that's <laughs> so. This is why they were surveilling them. Yeah, so crazy. And then they would they would pipe music in, um, deafening music. It says oh. that's just like torture. That is torture. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very, I believe, classic torture technique. <laughs> yes. So they were found guilty and sentenced to 58 and 20 years, respectively. So he got 58, she got 20. Hmm. All right. So this next one is a little nuts. Fr- the Fritzels, this is in Austria. So a grandfather... 73-year-old grandfather carried his 19-year-old granddaughter um, to the hospital because she was so sick. And she had to be um, put on a um, dialysis uh, for kidney failure and they said a respirator and all that. And so they wanted to know what in the world was going on. Mm -hmm. What was their mother doing to her that she was in this condition? Well, come to find out her mother was a captive also. Mm-hmm. And it was the f- grandfather, which I am surprised he even decided to take her to the, the hospital. Yeah. Because a lot of times in situations like this, they won't do that. No. Because somebody may Yeah. <laughs> so um, she, Kirsten's mother, had been locked in the cellar for, was it, I want to say, tw- yeah, over mm-hmm. 24 years. Mm-hmm. And Kirsten had been born in the cellar and had never seen the light of day until her grandfather took her out. I can't even imagine. Yeah. So she had um, six other children, seven other children, and that were all born in the cellar. Mm-hmm. And um, they didn't elaborate a whole lot on that. Um, several of them stayed and were raised in the cellar. And then he allowed like three of them to be raised upstairs with mm-hmm. the family. Yeah. How do you choose? <laughs> they were probably boys. Because he that was, could be. Because he was sexually abusing his daughter. All of those were his kids. Oh, yes. Like, all of those were his kids. Uh-huh. So, they were probably boys. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Keeping the girls locked up. So he could do what he was doing, but had no interest in the boys. Right. 
and didn't need to keep them long locked mm-hmm. up because yeah okay so it says he was sentenced to life imprisonment and he was currently serving out his sentence in a prison ward for the criminally insane oh please <laughs> you know what i want to know what what was the mom doing what was his wife doing yeah, that's a those good, those good whole point. Fam- like those people living in her cellar, and she what she didn't know. She never wondered what happened to her daughter. Was he still married? I believe he was. Okay, because it doesn't elaborate on that at all. But yeah, that is a good question. And if she how did how did he explain the kids? These are kids now. These are our kids now. Okay. Yeah, I like that you just bring kids in, uh-huh. and they're ours. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, they kind of look like you, so yeah, okay. Yeah. Did you steal them? (laughs) (laughs) Our daughter contacted me, and these are her kids, but I'm not going to tell you where she is. Like, you know, like, how do you? There's no justification that could be good for that. Unless she absolutely knew. Yeah. and, And she was like, better her than me. Yeah. And the other thing is, what did these people do after they were released? So Kirsten's mother was, um, her name is Elizabeth. She was 42 years old. Mm -hmm. Kirsten had never been out of this. I mean, she's 19 and had never been out of that Mm -hmm. basement. And the other kids, what? Yeah. What happened with those kids? Uh, Yeah. I can't even imagine the, the stress and the culture shock and everything that they would be going through. That's really weird to think mm-hmm. about. Okay. I got more. Susan Bardo. Let's see. This was up in Michigan. And um, she kept her son in Michigan. Michigan weather. In an 8 by 10 foot unheated attic room for five years. Huh. And he was 10. So... He was 15 when they found him? Or Let's he see. was in 10 two, when they found him? Yeah, that's what I, let's, let me read this. Okay, so in 2007, she took her 10-year-old son out of the Detroit home he shared with his father to, the, um, to a different city. Um, so her, he was 10. So he was 15 after the five years. Wow. Um, he was, um, he spent 23 hours a day alone. And they would only let him out for one meal, which was either oatmeal or rice. And he was permitted to eat in the stairwell, and he was given one bathroom trip per day. Oh. I'm not even going to tell you what happens next because I don't even, it can't even come out of my mouth. <laughs> so if you want to research, her name is Susan Bardo, B A R D O, 2007. Um, but the, the family had them do um, a welfare check on the boy, and that's when they found out what was going on. And so they were sentenced to um, 20 to 50 years each in prison. So was it Susan and somebody else? It was her boyfriend. Okay. Um, Carl Pellinen. Um, and so his father, Curtis Miller, is the one that they took him from. So what happened yesterday? I thought was really interesting. A Florida man 
<laughs> oh, Florida man. Right? <laughs> it says that he jumped on the hood of a semi. Right? <laughs> and proceeded to bash the window with the metal bar. Okay. And the semi driver, and there's a video. The semi driver was swerving. I mean, he's going at least 40 miles an hour down yeah. the freeway, and uh-huh. he is swerving back and forth to try to get this guy off of his truck. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you see him, and he slams on his brakes to try to get this guy off his truck. Uh-huh. I'm thinking, holy cow, dude, you know, what is going on? Well, come to find out, this guy who jumped on the hood is a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so the cops finally was, uh, were able to pull the um, the truck over. Mm-hmm. And um, so as soon as they pulled him over, the truck driver jumped out and mm-hmm. ran to the police. Right. Uh, and then um, they went and talked to the guy and all that stuff. But what I thought was really interesting is that they said that he was, I don't want to say a victim, he was, became part of the Baker Act. Have you ever heard of that? No. Okay, so I hadn't either. And I'm like, did they print that right or what? And so I had to go look it up. And in Florida, it's a law that enables family and loved ones to provide emergency mental health services and temporary detention for people who are impaired because of their mental illness um, and can't mm-hmm. provide for their own treatment. So they can hold them for up to 72 hours. So that's what he did. But this law came into effect in 71. Huh. That was a long time ago. Yeah. I don't know if that's, I don't know. If that's a valid law anymore or not. I don't... Well, I mean, they just used it on this guy. Oh, not that I mean that it's valid. I mean, yeah, the law is valid, uh-huh. but is it a law that should still be in place since 71? I don't know. Well, 72 hours is not a very long time. True. You got three days. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're an adult that is having some kind of serious mental health issue, you're not going to commit yourself. Right. You're not going to go try to get help yourself, mainly because that's not where your mind's at. I just don't. self-aware enough to be like, I'm not right. I need to go get help. Uh Uh-huh. So if your family is like, you need help. Uh Uh-huh. My thing is, is I don't want somebody, okay, I'm not crazy. This is not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want one of my family saying, you're nuts. You're going to uh, be, you know, checked into this treatment place. Right. Against my will. Well, but if you're, if you're not actually <laughs> having a mental breakdown. Okay, good point. I think you would, they would talk to you and they would either say, Okay, you're fine. Uh-huh. It's them who are not. Like, <laughs> maybe don't talk to that family member for a couple of days. I don't know. Maybe it's <laughs> turn turn around is fair play. You turn yeah. <laughs> for seventy two exactly. hours. But uh, I think like anything else, mm-hmm. they will talk to you first before committing you. bed. I mean you might be really mad and <laughs> Throwing things that they might, <laughs> but you know, yeah. 
because I don't think they just like well, this person said, so we're locking you up. I don't think they actually have to talk to you. <laughs> and you have to do something a little crazy, like jump on a semi-truck. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> so did they find out why? Like, was he just... Was he just um, having a moment? I think he was having a moment. I didn't <laughs> put all the details in here. Um, <laughs> you have to go online and look, though, because... The video is hysterical. <laughs> and at first I thought that the guy that was driving the truck was the, the crazy one. Uh-huh. But no, it was the other dude after I, I didn't watch the video, but you could see the transcript. Uh-huh. And so the, it was uh, in the transcript, they were saying that he had driven up and he just kind of, I don't know, some things happened. And then the next thing you know, he's going out into the middle of traffic and then he jumps on the top, uh, on the semi <laughs> And has something that he's like bashing the window with. Yeah. And he's in the video, he's like holding on to the hood and then he's going this way. Yeah. It's like, I'm not letting go. <laughs> and he yells at somebody who's, you know, doing the, the phone video mm-hmm. to call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> and it's him that is calling the cops on. <laughs> oh, crazy. Okay. Something else I found uh-huh. was. This group called MAMA. Okay. M-A-M-A. And it stands for Mothers Against Murder Association. Okay. Isn't that interesting? Well, like, what's Murder Association? I don't know. <laughs> okay, so the reason I found oh, this... Mothers Against Murder Association. Yes! Oh, sorry! <laughs> <laughs> Four words. Yes. <laughs> but I was like... They're against murder association? Like, what is that? Are they against us? Or associated with murder? I don't know. Okay. Yes. Mothers Against Murder Association. Comma. <laughs> right. This group was started because a, a family had several murders within their family with the, in different time periods. Yeah. I was, I had read a book about Palm Beach, mm-hmm. Florida, and um, so I was just kind of doing some research about that and looking around at it, and that's where I found this, mm-hmm. um, because the latest murder was that one of the girls had been killed, and then previously, I think, I don't know if it was a brother or an uncle or somebody mm-hmm. had, else had been murdered, and so one of the family members started this group um, because of that. And let me see if this is my last thing here. I got so many pages. Oh, no, but I didn't read that one. (laughs) (laughs) It's called A Surveillance Expert on Planting Bugs in Carpets, Cats, and Cockroaches to Nab Suspects. Doesn't that sound fascinating? Yes. Okay, so that's on the same website. Is that A&E thing? And the same author, Adam Janos, J-A-N-O-S. Could you imagine putting a little bug on a cockroach and sending it into <laughs> a house? Putting a little bug on a bug. <laughs> right. Go. But the, uh, the other one was they were going to stop doing polygraphs because polygraphs are have been proven that they are not really... Reliable. They're not reliable. They're not admissible in court. Yep. So they are doing brain scan lie detectors. 
or it says they're coming. Oh. Right? Huh. I don't know. I mean, it just says that their accuracy rates are higher than 75%. Hmm. Um, oh, but this was interesting. So the history of lie detectors went back to chewing rice in Asia. So if you spit up the rice that wasn't sufficiently wet, you were branded a liar. Because that means you didn't have enough saliva because you were so nervous. Uh-huh. Yeah, dry mouth. Yes. <laughs> and that proved whether you were a liar or not. Oh, my gosh. Sometimes it makes you nervous and you salivate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then... There was in the, it says the early Middle Ages in Europe, they had the hot iron bar. Yes. Mm. Um, so your honesty was proven by your unburnt hand. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, like how did that work? Hmm. <laughs> this is interesting because in the early 20th, early 20th century, um, the polygraph came out. And that was invented by William Moulton Marston. And he's the one who created the comic book character Wonder Woman (laughs) and her lasso of truth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he also did the polygraph. (laughs) There's a a little bit more about that guy. Yeah. (laughs) We won't get into that. I I can imagine with those two things on his record, it's like... (laughs) I'll I'll tell you when we stop recording. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I just, I just, those were some things that I found very, very fascinating. So, I'm going to have to go and read that article about the cockroaches. Yeah. And uh, making sure that I'm stepping on them. (laughs) So, I'm not bugged. I'm not double bugged. That's right. (laughs) Someone trying to spy on you. Right. All right. So, truthfully, this is all I have right now. (laughs) Very fascinating, though. So, we talked a little bit about Palm Beach. Yeah. And I told you a little bit about Dahlia DiPolito. Yeah, and I forgot her name, so I couldn't look her up. Okay. Anyway, so I'm glad you're talking about her. All about her. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. (laughs) So, when was this? So, the actual attempted murder was in 2009. But there's a lot of, like twists and turns and uh-huh. so just recently though like it finally came to some kind of end okay so in 2009 i believe it was it might have been the, towards the end of 2008 uh dahlia meets this guy named mike mike DePolito, and they have a whirlwind romance and get married like just Right off the bat. Okay. Six months into their marriage, she tries to hire a hitman to kill him. Oh, my gosh. Because he had all the money and she just went in there. Okay. So, I read about these women down there. They're a little, you know. Okay. So, go ahead. (laughs) So, Mike was not necessarily a, like, upstanding citizen. Okay. He, um, He was on probation... So in 2002, he was arrested and charged with organized fraud, unlicensed telemarketing, and grand theft for running a foreign currency investment scam. Okay. Yeah. He collected at least 
$155,000 from investors. And he has he had to pay restitution on this and it seemed more like 200,000. So, okay. Um he spent much of the money on hotels, cars, and phone sex. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> He pled guilty and was sentenced to two years in state prison and 28 years of probation. And he had to pay restitution. So this was before he met her. Yes, this was 2002. Okay. He actually only spent like seven months in jail. So Okay. Uh, but 28 years of probation. like Wow. Yeah. And that he had to pay restitution. Time. Before attempting to pay the restitution, he bought a $225,000 townhouse in Boynton Beach, paid for with cash. No mortgage. Hmm. A $48,000 Porsche. He also admitted in court that he kept $160,000 squirreled away in a safe deposit box. (laughs) So why did he write checks totaling $100,000 to his wife, then borrow $91,000 from her to pay his restitution? Like, why didn't he just pay it? Yeah. Well, it's because the court told him that it had to be clean money. And because he's a (laughs) felon... (laughs) They couldn't, like, he yeah. couldn't say, like, I got this legitimately. <laughs> so. Wow. He transferred all this money to Dahlia's account, mm-hmm. and she promptly spent the money. Oh. <laughs> Whoops. So Michael lost all of his restitution funds. Like he'd been, you know, uh-huh. setting it aside and so on. And he was pretty close to it. Like he had $191,000, you know, uh-huh. ready to go. So he was only like $9,000 shy of his completing his restitution. Uh-huh. And she spent the money. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Since then, he has fallen into financial ruin. Yeah, his online marketing business dried up. He is earning $500 a week working at Rocky's Pizza in Sunrise. <laughs> okay. Meanwhile, he he says he owes $400,000 to the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission, $191,000 in restitution, and $342,000 in unpaid taxes. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, he remains on probation for organized fraud until... 2032 so that's mike okay okay does not mean that he deserved to be killed (laughs) no he he sounds like he's not the smartest well and it sounds like he was trying to to do the right thing yes to pay his restitution yeah and so on still living the high life still somehow having a bunch of money Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe his business was doing really well who knows yeah but it sounded like he was at least trying to do the right thing Okay. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> At least there is that. Yes. So, um, Dahlia spent all the money. Dahlia was an escort Ooh. before she married Mike. And after she spent all the money, she, there was a, a incident, there were several incidences where they would be going out somewhere and Mike would get pulled over. Mm-hmm. And the cop would tell him that he got a tip that there was drugs in his car. Really? And so they asked Mike if it was all right for them to search his car. And he was like, yeah, sure. Cause he didn't have drugs in his car. Uh-huh. And so they would search his car 
the first time like they didn't find anything and so off he went and he was like that was weird yeah and then i think it happened twice and then the second time it happened Mm -hmm. again like they were going somewhere like the second he pulled out like the cop pulled him over that they got a tip that there was drugs in his car Mm -hmm. he let them search because he was like there's no drugs in my car right found nothing and off they off they went Uh uh-huh and so, like, he was like, that's really weird. Like, it happened twice. Yeah. So, afterwards, like, he searches his vehicle, like, thoroughly searches his vehicle mm-hmm. and finds drugs in his car. He does! Yeah, and he's like, I didn't put drugs in my car. Who could have put drugs in his car? And the fact that the police didn't find it twice. They obviously didn't have a dog <laughs> sniffing, <laughs> right. sniffing it out. Okay. So... Who could have been planting drugs in his car to get him to break probation and go to prison for 28 <laughs> years? They hit it too well. She hit it too well. <laughs> she probably work. thought the same thing. Like, surely there'll be a dog. Yeah. They'll find it. <laughs> okay. And so there was that. He was, and he started like, well, could it be my wife? Oh. Could it? Who spent my money? <laughs> Who probably is the only person who has access to my car. Uh-huh. Okay. So then he, he's getting really suspicious. Um, again, they've only been married for a few months. And um, she tries to poison his Starbucks iced tea with antifreeze. Ooh. Yeah. So Mike recalls um, an incident where she had she was off somewhere and she came back and she had Starbucks iced teas. And mm-hmm. she gave him one and... You know, she was drinking hers, and he took a taste of his, and he was like, oh, man, this is garbage, and just threw it away. Like, he, he just thought that, <laughs> Smart. that they made the tea, like, you know, uh-huh. that the tea just wasn't good. Yeah. And so he was like, uh, you know, and he threw it away, and that was it. Like, he didn't think about it again. <laughs> <laughs> so, second time, not working. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Dahlia's like, I'm just going to have to get somebody else to do this. <laughs> I'm not smart I'm just, enough. I'm just, I just keep not getting it right. So she calls up her boyfriend because Dahlia still has boyfriends. Okay. And his name was Muhammad Fazi Shihade. And so she calls him up and she tells him about the iced tea incident. And she wants to know if he can find someone to take care of her problem. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Okay. Really? And he goes to the cops. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Nice. He was like, all right. Sure. Sure, babe. Sure. And he goes to the cops. (laughs) So he goes to the police. The police, of course, send an undercover with him. Mm -hmm. They have, you know, video and he's wearing a wire and they've got all kinds of surveillance going on. Mm -hmm. And they're meeting in a parking lot in the hitman's car. And so, Muhammad is sitting in the back, Dahlia sits in the passenger seat, and the hitman's the driver. Okay. And so, they're talking, you know, trying to work out a deal, like, what are they going to do? Um, she offers him $3,000. That's it? Yeah. That sounds like the, ti- the Tiger King. Is that it? <laughs> yes. Gosh. Okay. Offers him $3,000. She wants it to look like a robbery. She's going to be at the gym, and she wants him shot. In wow. the house, in the townhouse. Uh-huh. And so he, the hitman, you know, tells her, you know, after you get out, you know, 
there's not really going to be a way for you to contact me. So I need you to be sure that this is what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And she tells him that she is 5,000% sure that she wants Mike dead. Wow. And so he's like, all right. So out she gets. And like she's. So let me just get this clear. So the hitman is really a hitman. He's not an undercover cop. Oh, no, he's a cop. Okay. I knew that the other guy had the wire on, oh, yeah. but I just, okay, I just yeah, wanted to make sure. The other guy had a wire on, they had video mm-hmm. in there, and he was a cop. Okay. So, all this was set up. No one was going to yeah. kill Mike. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and so, she's, you know, has absolutely no trouble with this at all. She is perfectly sure. She's laughing it up with the guys and, uh, you know. Okay. 5,000% sure that she wants him dead. So, they're like, okay. So, she gets out. The happiest can be, no care in the world. And the Boynton Beach police basically set up this entire fake scenario. Mm-hmm. So they go and they knock on Mike's door early in the morning after Dahlia left and say, your wife's trying to have you killed. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we need to get you out of here. Yeah. And so he's at first like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And it's like, she... Like, hired a hitman. How, like, does, how do you let that sink in? Yeah. And so they tell him to go get dressed because it was early, early in the morning. And they woke him up, like, when they knocked on the door. So he got uh-huh. dressed, took him to the police station. They corner off the entire, like, house with the police tape. They have cop cars, ambulance, like, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then the cop calls Dahlia and tells her that she needs to come home. Okay. And so she comes home. And she was looking very distressed, you know, like, what's going on, like, all this. And he tells her, like, even before the words come out of his mouth, she's sobbing. Okay. <laughs> Why are you crying? <laughs> like, I haven't just, like, you know, he's all like, I'm sorry to tell you that Mike, and then she starts crying. Uh-huh. So it's like, he didn't even say Mike's dead, Mike's been shot, Mike. Yeah. She starts sobbing. And so, you know, um, you can see all of this mm-hmm. online. Like, really? Look this up on YouTube. There's a video of all oh, this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yo, it's going to be good. <laughs> well, <Okay. laughs> I'll tell you why there's a video of all this here in a second. <laughs> okay. So, you know, he's, like, kind of holding her for a little bit. And she's like, okay, like, you know, go with the officer. And, you know, he's going to take you to the station. We need to get your statement and, you know, mm-hmm. all that. So she goes with the police officer and they take her to the police station. And when the officer's interviewing her at first it's very much like do you know anybody that would want to hurt mike you know did you see anything in the morning when you left that was you know odd or Mm -hmm. you know all that kind of stuff and she's you know a little like well i know he owed somebody money and you know just like trying to maybe he was maybe he had some shady dealings going on yeah you know and and then it starts to heat up a little. He's like, you know, are you sure you didn't want him dead? You know, like, and then he's like, the hitman was an undercover cop, <laughs> you know? So and, he just comes out and tells her eventually. Yeah, like, wow. yeah, yeah, like just, we know it was you. Mm-hmm. Like, he was an undercover. We have it all on tape. Uh-huh. We, have it, we have you on video. <laughs> and she's like, no, no. Mm-mm. Like, trying to stick to, to her story. Uh-huh. And then Mike walks by. <laughs> <laughs> Like Mike's alive. <laughs> Mike's not dead. Nice. 
and she's sitting there and she's all like she's trying to get mike to come in like she's all like mike come here mike mike come here he's all like no (laughs) go near you i mean there might be a ton of cops right here but still no (laughs) wow so they arrest her so the reason there's video of all this is that the tv show cops was filming (laughs) Oh, it was in town at that time? Yeah, they were following the Boynton Beach police. Oh, wow. During that time. So so it's good footage. <laughs> so they got all of that. <laughs> so she goes to trial. Mm-hmm. And she gets convicted 20 years. Okay. Um, she gets that the Court of Appeals overturns it. And she receives a new trial. Okay. So... The reason that it was overturned was that uh, her attorneys wanted to question potential jurors individually about their awareness of the case before her 2011 trial. Uh Again, this was on cops. Okay. And got all kinds of media attention. Yep. And so when they asked, when they asked the jury if, you know, if they knew anything about this case or if they saw anything like that, 28 of the 54 prospective jurors raised their hands when they were asked if they had heard about the case. Okay. One juror mentioned an allegation that was reported in the news that DiPolito had tried to poison her husband with antifreeze, like right there in front of everybody. Uh He was asked, like, what did you hear about this? He said he heard that. And so her, her attorneys were like, we want to question the jurors individually so that they don't hear what other people are uh-huh. saying okay that and, makes sense and the judge was like now nah, we're good <laughs> okay so yeah that's okay. funny yeah so it got overturned um and so her in her first trial her defense was that she was trying to get on reality tv and become famous that her and mike were both in on it mm-hmm. and they were trying to become reality tv stars okay and that one survivor (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was that was her defense Mm -hmm. but then you have mike on the stand going nope (laughs) you have her her boyfriend who went to the cop saying not that i know of Uh like like, nope (laughs) yeah (laughs) so uh so she so she gets that overturned and they'd go to um trial two so the chief assistant state attorney who prosecuted the first case he wrote a book about the case called poison candy the murderous madam inside dahlia DiPolito's plot to kill Ooh. um and she said that she was willing to assist the state with anything they need for the prosecution and she had been the the prosecutor for the first trial that had gotten overturned okay um so trial two happens and in trial two they go they don't go with the trying to be a reality tv star defense okay instead they go with that because the show cops was there Mm -hmm. that the boynton beach basically the boynton beach police department basically blew this whole thing up (sighs) to make for good tv got it which i'm like so, right. she's still on video saying she's 5,000% sure she wants Mike dead. Mm-hmm. She has still tried to 
like hire someone yeah to kill him so so what if the boyton beach was like we're just gonna make this big big crime scene and make this a big show yeah she still she still did it she still fell for it which that's a much better i think defense than the first one well yeah (laughs) (laughs) a little more plausible yes yeah, so they were saying that the presence of the cops TV show created a frenzy within the Boynton Beach Police Department to manufacture good television. Well, the Boynton Beach Police Department was basically saying that it was just a coincidence as far as timing was concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the men and women of Boynton Beach Police Department did an incredible job on this case. And Mike DiPolito is alive and well today because of it. Right. So, Yeah. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, her second trial ended in a hung jury. Oh, you're kidding. No. So then, trial three. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Third time's the charm <laughs> for something. Um, so, while she was waiting on trial two, I believe... Or maybe when she was waiting on trial three. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Um, she was not in jail. She was on house arrest. Okay. Whose house? Her mom's. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why, where is she living? I'm pretty sure Mike divorced her in 2011. <laughs> Good. Wasn't hanging around for that nope. one. Um, so she was on house arrest and she had a kid. <gasps> Really? Yes. And they were keeping the dad hush-hush. Uh-huh. And later on, I read an article that the bombshell was thrown, but I was like, this is, I mean, yeah, okay. Yeah. But, like, I was like, if it's Mike's baby, then okay, bombshell. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Otherwise, it's like, what are you yeah. trying to get out of jail or something? Yes. So, yeah. So, um, she, had, she had a son, um, and then she goes to trial. Let's see. Um, oh, while awaiting her second trial, yeah. So it was her second trial. While she was waiting for that, she had she had a son. So third trial comes around, and the jury returned a verdict in just ninety minutes. And so she was again convicted of solicitation to commit first degree murder, and she was sentenced to sixteen years in prison. Okay. So. Her lawyers are still trying to get another appeal and so on. And in September of 2019, the Florida Supreme Court rejected without comment a request from DiPolito for the court to review her 2017 conviction. So they tried to get the case before the U.S. Supreme Court Mm -hmm. in February of 2020, Mm -hmm. and the court declined to hear it. I thought you were going to say the court shut down because of (laughs) COVID-19. No, 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 no. That was the next month. (laughs) Okay, so they uh, declined to hear it. Nice. Okay. So according to her lawyer, they're still fighting. They plan on filing a motion with a federal judge asking that the judge to review the third trial for constitutional violations against Dahlia. So they have one last chance to get Dahlia a new trial. They haven't given up hope. But at this point, I don't think that anybody is really going to, because they they keep coming back to the fact that um, the whole iced tea incident, Mm -hmm. like, keeps getting brought up, and um, the judge, Judge Judge Martha Warner was the, yes, she was the 
district court of appeal in West Palm Beach. So she was a judge that was on the appellate court. Okay. And so she wrote a seven-page ruling where she rejected all of it. Wow. Because <laughs> the defense lawyer was saying, was trying to argue that jurors had improperly learned that their client had previously tried to poison her husband's iced tea with antifreeze. Mm-hmm. And the judge was like, the police officer didn't pose as a hitman until after DePolita's lover came forward. Mm-hmm. So... There was no entrapment there. Uh, Dahlia DiPolito sentenced to 16 years in... Oh, no. Let's see. Um, it was her lover who first approached the police with his concern that DiPolito would kill her husband, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. So the police okay. didn't go to him. Mm-hmm. He came to the police. <laughs> As for the television cameras, they weren't involved in the surveillance or investigation. Like, they were just there capturing her reaction. Okay. Um. They did not enter the picture until after DiPolito had already taken all the steps to solicit the murder of her husband. Uh-huh. And although the trial judge had made a pre-trial ruling that evidence about the poisoning episode could not be introduced at trial, it was with a caveat. And that was that it would not be allowed unless something made him change his mind during trial, which something did occur during trial to cause the judge to rethink the earlier ruling. So unless the door was opened, uh-huh. like they couldn't just say, "Oh, and she tried to kill him before." Uh huh. Like the door had to be opened, and he had to say, "That's fine." Got it. And he did. The her lover on the stand. He testified that he did not believe she actually wanted to kill her husband, and that had opened the door for the jury to hear that the lover had also once said that DiPolito had tried to kill her husband by poisoning him. Because it explains why the lover initially approached the police. Because he actually did believe that she was going to kill her husband. Yeah. Like, if he didn't think she was serious, why would he go to the cops? Exactly. So that was her seven-page ruling. (laughs) Those are the highlights of her seven-page Which really kind of just made me think for a second about why the lover guy was not ever, like, questioned because she contacted him to find a hitman mm-hmm. why would you know hitman what what are you doing <laughs> well i mean obviously they were all they were all shady yeah so let me tell you a little something about muhammad fazi shihadi so in october of 2019 he took a plea deal on stalking charges Ooh, who was he stalking he was Let's see. He pled guilty to one count of aggravated stalking and one count of making written threats and was sentenced in October to three years of probation. Um, It looks like he was, he repeatedly called and sent hundreds of text messages to his ex-wife. Ah. Who described the messages as vulgar and threatening. In one message, he wrote to her saying that he would either have to she would either have to kill him or he'd kill her if she took their two children to Walt Disney World without him. Okay, say that again. She would either have to kill him uh-huh. or he would kill her if she tried to take the kids to Disneyland. To oh Disney my gosh. Because <laughs> that is a horrible place to take without kids. Without him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, he had to go. <laughs> other messages he said he threatened to send someone to kill or harm her so that was what he was 
arrested and he pled guilty to stalking charges. So yeah. Like Okay. You know, at least Mike was trying to do the right thing. And at least Muhammad was trying to do the right thing. He yes. was like, you know what? I'm not getting in on this. I'm yeah. going to go to the cops because I think you're actually going to do this. I do a lot of things, but I'm not going to do I'm that. I'm not that, doing that. Yep. <laughs> yep. That is, you know, he did have uh, the ability to make some good choices. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. Um, the video is out there on YouTube for okay. you to see. Um, they did... Let's see if I have it. They did say who the father of her baby was. Because, yeah, they've been trying to keep that hush-hush for whatever reason. And so Mm -hmm. after the third trial, and I guess just for privacy, um, they were, her lawyers were trying to get her house arrest again. So after trial two was in a hung jury, Mm -hmm. they wanted her to go back to house arrest waiting trial three okay um and that's when the the baby's father came up so they've got her mom i think to finally admit to who who it was um so they her lawyer wanted to get her onto house arrest the prosecution was like no she um she had called she was on the phone with her baby daddy and she mentioned yeah there was a recorded jailhouse jailhouse conversation when she discussed with her child's father the drone aided escape of a south carolina prison inmate and so they were like she's planning to escape <laughs> so let's not give her house arrest yeah <laughs> And so they wanted to know who James was, like, what's his real name? Mm-hmm. That's what she called him. Um, and after some hesitation and a lot of objections, uh, her mother finally said that James was Robert William Davis. He is 33 year old. Um, yeah, 33 year old. And he is the father of the 16 month old son. And that he lived with DiPolito at her mother's home for about the past year she spent on house arrest before her second conviction. I didn't think that was part of house arrest. I'm pretty sure it's not. <laughs> um, and also, he has quite the arrest record. Of course. Several charges that include a decade old convictions on felony drug and battery charges. His most recent local arrest was in 2011 for fleeing and eluding a case that the prosecution eventually dropped. For what? I don't know. But uh-huh. So, yeah. I was like, who is that? Like, he, yeah. like, he had really nothing to do with any of this before. Like, it wasn't Muhammad. It wasn't Mike's kid. Mm-hmm. It wasn't her lawyer's kid. So I was like, what's yeah. the bombshell here? Exactly. <laughs> I was like, some guy we never heard of who has an arrest record. Yes. So, yeah. Fascinating. Um, Let's see how she is doing. So, they haven't given up hope. They're still hoping to get that federal judge to take a look for constitutional violations. Mm -hmm. Um, She is serving her prison sentence. And... 
She is leading a Bible study group behind bars. Of course she is. Uh-huh. And her lawyer says she's very well respected in jail for her faith. Hmm. Good for her. <laughs> <laughs> Three trials. And I can't believe the second one. Oh, yeah. That was just, I mean, what did they say <laughs> for them to even halfway think? Well, and I'm like, again, so what if the police department was like, we're going to make a whole production out of this for cops? Yeah. She still told someone that she thought was a hitman. Mm-hmm. Please go kill my husband. Yeah. I will give you $3,000. I'm 5,000% sure. <laughs> Five thousand percent sure, but you only get three thousand dollars. Right, exactly. <laughs> wow. And Mike, poor Mike. <laughs> right. I mean, I kind of feel bad for the guy. Yeah. I'm glad that he didn't um, get murdered. Yes. Yes. Because at first I was thinking, okay, this guy's going down. Uh huh. She's gonna get him. And he was like completely honest about all of all of that, mm-hmm. like all that stuff about his finances came up on the stand when he was asked about it. Okay. Like, he wasn't like, I can't answer that or... Yeah. He was like... <laughs> he was completely truthful about everything mm-hmm. and... So. All right. <laughs> Mike, hopefully you're a little bit more of an upstanding guy now. Maybe you learned your lesson. Don't fraud people. Right? That's it. Just- Come back and bite you in the butt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. So we've got to leave y'all with research. (laughs) If you want to know more, want to see the video, I do. The video is great. Yeah? Yeah. And so you can just, you don't have to. um, I'm pretty sure you can just type in Dahlia DiPolito. DiPolito is spelled D-I-P-P-O-L-I-T-O. Okay. And Dahlia is spelled D-A-L-I-A. Okay. I always put an H in there. Oh, yeah. And But it's no H. Okay. So, I'm pretty sure you can find, find the video. Uh, at the very least, find one of her interviews. Because she did do an interview for 2020. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so did Mike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, very interesting. It's pretty funny because I did watch that interview with the 2020 mm-hmm. and they asked both of them like how they felt about each other, mm-hmm. you know, and she was, she was like, I wish I'd never met him. And he was like, she wishes she had never met me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I got to see that. <laughs> like, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I only did one, but it was a lot. It was, and it was very good. It was very interesting. So I liked this episode. I liked being able to um, talk back and forth about stuff. Yeah. So we might have to do this one again. <laughs> Find some different murders that are going on. Mm-hmm. This has been Do We Like Murder? A segment of the Long Overdue Podcast. Hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about popular murders. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time. Bye.